0: Coming up on Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat.
1: I followed my grandfather back who left school at 12 and he travelled around the world, spoke seven languages, did everything he possibly could, reinvented himself so many times. I suppose like my mother always used to say I took after him.
0: Delighted you could join us today. We've got a great guest on the show. We have Adrian Hayes. But first, big thanks to the overarching sponsor of the show, Hawora. It's a performance well-being growth partner that looks to impact on individual and organizational health and well-being through four key pillars, physical, mental, social, and occupational. So do make sure to check it out at haworalife.com. H-A-U-O-R-A life.com.
2: Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons and learnings. Today we spoke with Adrian Hayes, British adventurer author and keynote speaker, Adrian is a record breaking polar explorer best known for reaching the extreme points of the Earth 3 points challenge, walking all the way to the North Pole, South Pole and summiting Mount Everest, all in the shortest period of time, one year 217 days, his first Guinness World Record. He's completed the straight line vertical crossing of the Greenland Ice Cap, crossed the Arabian Desert and summited K2. A passionate social campaigner and commentator, Arabic and Nepalese speaking former British Army Gurkha officer who also spent two two years in the Special Forces, Adrian has also written two books featuring in three documentaries to date. He's also an advisory board member for one of the Future Mars Project, a fellow of the Royal Geographical Society. He has lived and worked in eight countries and traveled to more than 100. In this social commentator and campaign work, Adrian is an ambassador on economic, social and environmental sustainability, which we discuss in this episode. We speak about themes for each year in relation to goal setting, a huge rock of Adrian's philosophy as a leader. We unpack that moment when he reaches the top of a mountain. The experience and how it is captured food for thought for those of us stuck to our phone adrian opens up and displays his vulnerability shares his stories of grit as to how there is something to be always taken from an experience adrian hayes thanks very much for giving us your time really looking forward to having an amazing conversation how are you doing these days
1: that's a very good question um, david there is a there's there's a short answer you know doing fine doing okay and then there's the longer answer and the deeper answer. And, uh, yeah, on, on. you know, it, look, we, I mean, we, we're getting into society's things, but, um, you know, it, it's been a challenge. Um, let's just say, put it mildly, the last year and a half, uh, with all my working hats, it's obviously things pretty shut down and, uh, you know, uh, one of my one of my things I use in the old mental fitness, mental health game, you have to, always have to look for the gift in every circumstance, you know. You can go, and I've been, you know, peeved off and frustrated and, and, and angry and annoyed and furious, all these things. Then you just have to sort of calm down. Luckily, I live in a, a place called the New Forest in, in southern UK. And i got cows and horses outside and donkeys outside my gate. And just take a walk down, down the lane and you sort of, you know, breathe the air, are still alive, look at the trees, the flowers, the insects, the birds, and the rest, and that sort of makes you uh, come to um a, a bit of resonance, and a bit of normality.
0: We're trying to flip that question when we're having these conversations. We want to kind of ask, last year and a half, last 18 months, what has really been something positive that you've taken from the landscape completely flipping on its head?
1: Not much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, look, I've, I've spent a lot of time, my daughter, sort of, so spending time because uh, because my my good lady we've been together a few years but we've done a long distance relationship uh, for quite a few years but never more than six weeks apart and, and pretty much six months a year together but she is uh, stuck in the soviet union of australia so i haven't seen her for two years now um but you know you you look at it and, and i suppose on that side it's you know if we can get through this you, you'll get for any, through anything but you know it's committed a clear goal but Look, I've I've had some work time to do some project stuff, some things that were, were put aside, put on hold, all in the pending list, and I've got very fit actually. Um, I suppose my fitness is back up to uh, what it was six, seven years ago. which is, I always got these, these periods of fitness where they've been been the top, and, and it's really it's really pretty good now. So I, you know, and and the sporting side, i I'm, I'm, I'm doing running, cycling, swimming. Um, weight training, and rock climbing. That's the five sports I'm doing these days. That's before breakfast, and then we get some real work done. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but that's what I'm doing. So there's a, there's a few benefits, but, um, you know, you just have to, you know. I think what the main thing, though, you, you, we all tend to go into our own self, our own, you, know, ugh, you know, life is tough. It's got panic, got challenge with daughter or work or this, this. But you realise there's a heck of a lot of people um, suffering far worse than yourself. I always bring back to some perspective. I think there's a perspective in every challenge we face, and there's a learning in every challenge.
2: You've had some time to think, and uh, funny when we met face to face there only a week ago, you were saying how what I found particularly interesting I was saying at the Kiran affair that you you pick a theme, you know, to fo- to focus, and when you're looking at setting goals because you've accomplished a lot. Would you talk us through that process? Because I think a lot of people could get a lot of a lot of power from that understanding how to really set aside time to focus on this is what I really want to do. This is the purpose. This is the theme I'm going to lock and load at.
1: Yeah, and thanks. I, I love talking about this question because, and it, it, you know, I, I, the first thing, the first lesson I, I give to everyone is to write down your goals. Now, I started writing down my goals at age thirteen. And they weren't goals, I didn't know what goals were in those days, but they were my plans, my plans. And the, and the funny thing, writing them down, and I, I rewrote the list for every five years or every four years, three years, and they all came true. And this brings me forward to a, a study I read at Yale University. They did a study of 20,000 students um, a few years ago, and uh, apparently 3% of these students had written down their goals. And when they went back to these students 20 years later, those 3% had more wealth than the remaining 97% put together. Wow. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, quite astounding. And the funny thing is, when I do seminars, workshops, programs, things, I often ask that question. How many people, have, How many? Of you, if, if I'm asked to talk about goal setting, and I ask the question, and it's usually about 3% put, put their hands up. So quite fascinating. You know, we all know about goals, but we, we don't really do much. But the process I do, um, firstly, I, I really work a year to a year and a half in advance. Um, I don't think in today's world, we don't know where we're going to be, you know, the, the five, the five year plan, where you see yourself in five years. I don't even know where I'm going to be in five weeks time, let alone five years. So, you know, obviously you've got a, you've got a, a big goal that you're aiming to get to, but I, I work on a year and a half and I, you know, I'm already been thinking about next year for the past six months or so. I know what I'm going to do, but I still go through the process, which is, Firstly, review, um, which I do throughout the year anyway. But the end of year review is, a, is a quite a holistic time for me. I might go around Stonehenge and sort of dance with all the with all the uh, environmentalists and everyone, and dance around the stones. But no, it's it's a quiet time and just review. Have a session with with a coach or some of the pod call the pod groups I'm in and review the the year. You know, as I said there's a theme, there's a real energy. And it's coming up now. You know, review of the year, time person of the year. Um, you know, sports personality of the year. You've got all this reviewing sort of energy and it's kind down. And there's time. So, a review on that side of things. And then, and then set my, you know, after Christmas. And I always say to people, no matter, because I do a lot of work in the Middle East and other in Asia Pacific and, uh, and all sorts of faiths, but it doesn't matter what your faith is, there's, it's quiet. You know, between 27th and the 31st December, it's a quiet time. And it's a perfect time <laughs> to, to go down and set, um, as you said, I set a theme for the year. That's the theme. That's the stake. That's the essence. That's the energy. That's that's the that's the, the guiding light of, of the year ahead. And uh, and then from that, work out professional goals, personal goals, um, by quarter. I think. <laughs> By day is a bit too much, um, and then by, by by month is a bit too much. But quarterly goals, it's what business uses, uh, and then being goals sort of for the whole year. And that process again, have a session with a coach, refine it. Sometimes goes over a few days, and then write it down. Write all uh, brainstorming, write it down, and then print, then put it on on a computer and print it out. And that stays in my briefcase all the time. And any spare moment, I just check. You know, how are we doing here? How how's it going according to what I suggested uh, back on the 30th of December last year. I make the joke, you know, you've got to review review it. You know, you can do all these steps and write them down and print it out and everything. But if you write down the 30th 30th of December, you know, 31st December uh, 2020, let's put it like that, say, I'm going to run a marathon this year. And then you put it in the drawer and then leave it home for leave it around for the next 365 days a year. And you go, right, I've got to review my goals. You know, that Adrian Hayes fellow did say, so let's review it. And you start reviewing them on the 29th. We've got about two days left to trade and do one. So, you know, constant review of the whole thing. So uh, the fact the fact, I've actually spoken quite a few minutes on this, apologies for for taking the time. But um, it, it's such a passionate thing for me. And I said it at, at that recent seminar, but it's, it's a really, I, I just find the, absence of clear objective setting so astounding in our world today um so three percent of people do it normally but I've, governments organizations I, I just haven't got and there's so many things within that goal setting that, that i use so many so many tools and, and things within it
0: just diving into it you're apologizing for digging deeper into it and we're going to ask you more on it um when you're looking to set the goals when you're putting are determining what the next year will look like what the next quarters will look like what's the breakdown of is there financial goals you go for are there fulfillment do you even go for some hedonic maybe pleasures or even altruistic pieces do you have a breakdown of of how you focus them goals
1: yeah i do I, i put financial um into the personal goals obviously professional goals you know the many working hats that you know different goals for the year and then the personal goals, you know, get married, get pregnant, whatever it is, uh, you know, all those sort of things as well, financial things. The interesting thing over the last few years is that um, perhaps the being goals of some time have, have taken more importance. I think the professional goals for me, you know, as, as someone who, who likes to achieve achievement is part of my values, and it's always been these big goals, a big goal. Um, and I think perhaps more the being ones, the holistic goals have come to the fore and one of the ones that really has and I've had it down for the last few years is authenticity. It's it's a real, really important part of me. I just feel I see such falseness out in the world today. It's victimhood, such attention seeking, such looking, you, you and I see these things, they're just not authentic. So so to answer your question, there's there's a whole variety and they do change by year. But I've been doing it now on this process now for oh, twenty odd years, twenty five years, and before that was um, you know was more intermittent. But it's actually been a long time. Every are writing down these goals.
2: There's a fellow called Jason Fox. He's an Australian, and he he talks about the ability to find one word that really resonates with you. And when you're facing times of adversity, challenge, you've written the book on that. Adrian, is there a guiding principle? Is is there is there a word that kind of embodies what that's all about for you when you're, when you're, when you're in those moments?
1: Can I use a, 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 a series of words? Of course you can. You know, just because just, one word doesn't really really sum it up. Um, so the, there's a mantra that says everything happens for a reason. Okay, and I use that for many, many times, everything happens for a reason. But I think that that's a rather passive you know, right my house has just burnt down, you know, everything happens a reason and just like you know, just uh, I've just had a car stolen, you know um I've just failed on, on a big expedition, you know. but I think it's a bit passive and I, I look at the I look at a little bit more active side of things that shit happens, it's up to us to find the reason. That using that way makes you tap into things, makes you think, makes you Tap into gut instinct makes you look up the sky. Um if you're someone of faith looks your faith, you look but it, it makes you search and think about, you know, what well, what is the learning from this? What's the gift? What's the lesson? What's the what's the awareness that I can get from this? And I realize and that awareness, that learning may take a day, a week, a month, a year, it may take five years or ten years, but I you know, I really guarantee that every hardship, every challenge that all of us go through, we will find a reason uh, um, eventually, if you allow, you open yourself up to find that reason. If you go into the victim mode, which of course, again, as I said, you know, that the whole world seems to be this, then you will be in a victim mode, possibly for the whole of your life. But And so it's important to get out of that state of mind. And, you know, you, you could, someone could throw back to me, say, well, what happens if your daughter was killed by a a driver and you know wh- where's the gift in that and I, of course I get that we're talking 99% 99.9% of circumstances you know losing your job you know prized possessions or whatever or bankruptcy divorce all these things there'll always be a lesson in it but of course the most extreme ones can be very hard I get
0: that. and then looking at maybe an approach to how you would I'll objectively go about looking at something that's happened the performance didn't go to plan something you unexpected came out of left field set you back an awful lot for a man that's navigated so much adversity through all your endeavors even continuing to do do you have a process that you go to after something doesn't go well
1: the the problem with people who achieve big things is that you can be very self-critical you know you're all <laughs> perfectionism and trying things. so sometimes i had a, a, a term said to me once a few years ago, it was an American friend of mine, a lady from New York. She says, hey, you're a motivational speaker, which I never use the term. I don't use the term. You're a motivational speaker. Every motivational speaker I right know is a manic self-depressive. <laughs> you know, and, she, and it, it's a, it's an interesting sort of analogy because you can be critical. So if a, if a gig, you know, a speaking engagement or consultancy workshop or full day program, you know, something that, ugh, wish I got you know, that right. You you can, and I used to beat myself up for days and days and days. This is many, many years ago, but I suppose now I, I take the lesson. Now you know, good learning. Same thing comes with feedback. But none of us like to be told, you know, that that you know that did wasn't so good, or, or you know, could have done better or this thing, and it, and it hurts and all the rest of it. But you think, wow, it's the greatest gift we can ever get because most people will never give feedback. Um, to you, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's a joy, it's a gift when we have it. And I'll give you one example, because, you know, I said right at the beginning, I was being drawn down by, um, you know, what's happening in the world. You know, they say that, that who we become is directly proportional to the friends we keep, we socialise the family and friends, and the friends are friends, and there's some science that says the friends are the friends of the friends, that seems quite far-fetched to me, but at least friends and friends are friends. And there's an energy in, in the world, particularly in the UK, and, and I'd say the developed world, there's there's an, there's an anxiety, there's an, there's an unknown, there's been unknown for quite a few years, but there's unknown, there's anxiety, there's frustration, there's division, there's annoyance, there's negativity, and there's anger. You know, you just see it everywhere. And if you get submerged by this, you allow yourself to be, to be caught up, you can become negative yourself. So uh, even an example without with a friend of quite a few months ago, um, I don't go on social media much at all, you know, Facebook, Instagram, <sighs> once every few months, I might just put something up every six months and, and all the rest. Of it. I go on Twitter, really, to, to, to get alternate viewpoints. But, you know, and I, and I post on Twitter every few days, every week, something like that, not excessively. But this friend said, who, who, who followed me on Twitter, and um, we were talking about, you know, life and society and where we are. And he was reluctant to say this. He said, can, can, can I just say something nervously? I said, yeah. yeah." And he said, I, said, I think you've been, you know, just your Twitter posts, are, they are a bit negative. And, and, um, and that was a real, and I said, really, do you think they are? And I said, I think you're right. And it's how we get sucked into this uh, without us, us knowing. And I think it's very important, someone like myself who, who who is generally a positive person and anything is possible and look at the gift in every circumstance. I think it's 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 important to 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 be that. So I think ever since you said that, I, I've I've tried to not get drawn so much into all this noise, and, and look at the positives. And just you know, one little example. You know, I, I lived in Dubai for quite a a, a few years, and you know, the, actually broaden it. There's certain countries you go to. I'll say Sri Lanka um, Bali Nepal a certain place like this you just feel uplifted you feel fantastic in these countries and I think Dubai even though that you know there's certain things that people may not like about it and they're you know probably justified but there's a can-do attitude in that city a positivity multinational. you just feel uplifted and um, you know I was there a few weeks ago again and I'm back there and and I just Felt on fire there it's just su- surprising yeah you know i love where i live love in the new forest it's an amazing place love the uk um but it's just the pervading energy in, in the world right now can get us all sucked in
2: and the can do attitude adrian is, is is why we wanted to speak to you today because in ireland you know similar similar at times to that kind of tone and energy we try to be upbeat but when it's overcast and rain and sometimes <laughs> it's difficult right now, for someone yeah. who who has been on top of the world, crossed the poles, been across the desert with camels, what what are the can-do messages? What are the messages you'd give from those experiences? And is there a couple that even you'd like to shed a bit of light on?
1: Well, I think, and I've looked at this, this myself, I mean, again, it comes back to this authenticity side of things. And, and I, look, I'm the first one to say, that anything is possible, believe in yourself, you know, impossible is nothing, all these catchphrases, just do it, you know, using some sporting analogies here. And all I say is, whatever you want to do, be honest and authentic with yourself about the reasons you want to do it. And I've often put the analogy that Adventures for Cause, let's go to the adventure world. I think Adventures for a Cause was a great thing. It was fantastic. It's raised a lot of money. I think it's now lost that um, it's we've, we've had peak peak cause on, on the adventure world. And I think you know to be to be brutally honest, you don't climb Everest to show others, show diabetics, cancer victims, uh, Irish people <laughs> that, that you too can achieve your dreams. Okay, uh, you don't climb K2 to raise money for the poor of Pakistan or to or to raise money for cancer or for some orphanage somewhere. You don't walk to the North Pole to, to raise awareness of climate change. Okay, These are all fantastic causes, but if you are really authentic about doing them, if you want to empower people, you become a coach, a counsellor, a therapist, a mentor, whatever it is, a consultant. If you're really passionate about climate change to be honest you become a scientist a glaciologist or an environmentalist or a a meteorologist all these things and if you really wanted to raise money for this orphanage in Kenya or something you put your three years of training your three months on an expedition and the hundred thousand dollars it's cost you direct to that orphanage you'll pay you'll get far they will get far more benefit than that I did a survey of Everest climbs on justgiving.com And I looked about 40 Everest climbs for charity. And Everest costs between £30,000, £50,000, £75,000. And the average amount that people are raised was £5,000. And that's great. But, you know, if you're really keen, if you're authentic about the cause, you would put that £75,000 directly to the the, um, cause itself. And where I think... Where social media has had such an influence, we're now we're we're now hooked subconsciously or consciously. We're all in this business of doing something and posting it. And and in layman's terms, it's it's basically we're 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 trying to show the world that we're worthy, that we're worth something because we see everyone else posting these great achievements and great adventures and what they've done, and we little inferior us feel so small. So we got to post it and. And and so we've become in this narcissistic, attention-seeking world, I believe, of of basically, look where I am, look what I've achieved, look at me. And I don't think that's an authentic reason to go and do something big. Um, The charity world, frankly, I see so many charities, people doing it, and they may have started on the authentic side, but they get addicted by all the attention. And it becomes more about the person than about the cause itself.
0: Quickly diving into that, what what do you think is the most logical approach for people to take now to try and distance themselves and give social media its correct place in your life, not being forced into that sort of, I want to impress environment circles around me, but I want to actually look back on my authentic self and do things that are special and important to give me fulfillment?
1: In all honesty, probably you wouldn't even post it, you know. Um... I'm, I'm speaking from experience because when I did K2 in the second time in 2014, so I've had things as sponsors and I've had to post things up, but K2 didn't have a major sponsor and, you know, I was still posting. I, I thinking when I, when I wrote the book on it, thinking, hold on, you know, w- was I still doing it for myself, which is for the pursuit of, you know, the, the authentic goals that I've had since I was 16 or since I was 13 when I wrote these things down. you know, pursue everything I can in life, experience everything I can pursuit of excellence, achievement, travel, adventure. You know, that was an, an authentic self-worth, self-respect, all these reasons that come with that. And that was an authentic goal. But I asked myself, for K okay, two. hold on, I'm posting updates every four days and all the rest of it. And you're getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of likes and comments and all the rest of it. And I asked myself, when I look back, am I still doing it for myself? Or was this still for external recognition respect and all that side of things you know so i even i was compromised so i would say don't even post it the next expedition i do i might post something off to climb too long a loafer, off, off off to climb the biggest mountain in the gulf in the galti mountains and uh i <laughs> you know, off to do that and you know see in a few months i might put a picture just you know a summit pitch or something but even that just makes me sort of say other things now so I you know <laughs> the authentic reasons I will do another expedition is to escape from the noise to get back into a great goal achievement Um and, and I've used Alex Honnold the, the guy who climbed the Yosemite walls freehand and I think you know there's an authenticity about him just he'd rather do it without the publicity so I um, r- rather than posting everything online. Look, even even a beauty spot, the, the science behind it is fantastic. We go to a nice place. Uh, people are so obsessed. Instantly, the camera comes out, or the, yeah. the smartphone, rather. There's cameras any day, these days, but smartphone take a, a selfie. And apparently, the, the brain science says we're, we're failing to remember these things because we're so obsessed with the selfie that we're not even processing the view, the sounds, the sights, the people we're with, and all the rest of it, and we go somewhere. So, you don't, it's not necessarily the top of Everest. It can be just uh, you know, a nice little beauty spot, a picnic by a river.
0: Eggs Benedict or a nice cappuccino as well. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Frank Leboeuf once said that that at the 98 World Cup, he wasn't taking any photos and he was asked a question as to why. And he said, because I just want to remember it. I don't need to look at something to remember it. And just to, just to ask a question, so you, you go up K2, and I remember hearing at that seminar you, you pointed to a couple of minutes ago, Adrian, not many people have managed to get up K2. So what what now is a question you hear in, in the world of sport, you know, people like Nick saban would say that you go up K two, you conquer it, having done lots of other things. How what happens when you're at the top of it? All the prep, all those moments, you get up it and then you go, This is great. What's my next one? What's the next thing? Or can you enjoy it? What's that like when you get to the top?
1: The top of K two was three to four minutes. A quick hug of the, there was a few people up there before me. Um, when my teammate joined me, if I didn't even have a chance to give him a big hug, it was just thumbs up because we, we wanted the summit picture. I wanted to take a quick video. Uh, I wanted to call my, my partner, um, you know, on the satellite phone. The, reception was pretty good because you're quite near the satellites and uh, uh, but you know it was literally just a, a few things to, to be to be done and then get down you're not at the end of the journey you know climbing the mountain you're only halfway there or as Ed Vistas famous American climber said getting to the top uh, is optional getting back down again is mandatory most people lose their lives on the way down from these big mountains so you're not thinking anything of those thoughts at all you''re you're, you're just quick we did it. Um, right, you know, quit bear hope but you've got to get down. And it's only when you get down to base camp and you just, you can finally relax, you look back at the mountain and you think, shit, was I up there two days ago or three days ago? Whatever it takes you to get down. My goodness. And I can't, I couldn't take my eyes off all the big mountains I've done. I can't take my eyes off. When I'm at base camp, just looking back up there, thinking, "My goodness, humans don't belong up there. We can't survive. can't survive anywhere near. can't survive beyond five thousand three hundred meters." And we got up there, and we got down, and uh, and uh, all all parts, all working parts, in all in one piece, which is a benefit. So uh, it's only after that. As for the next cha- the, the second part, do you think the next challenge? This is what I've also found with people that some people who've done big things they're already talking about the next challenge the next thing and I, and I really do believe now and I used to be the same and and people come and ask you they come and say you know fantastic job Asia. what's next and i got submerged in these with these questions and i've always now that the last probably the last 15 years now done at uh, 15 40 years done an expedition and take stock you know forget the next trip forget anything like that just recover relax spend time with your family your loved ones enjoy the joys of life. Because the training regime, my general regime is three to six months of brutal training for a big, big thing. I don't think you can keep it going for much longer than that. And just recover and just take it easy. And it takes it takes a quite a few months to get over these extreme experiences, both physically and mentally. Uh, the time I didn't was South Pole came back two days up, three days or four days after reaching the South Pole, I was back in the noise and bustle of Dubai and people want every piece of of me and everything like this and I just sunk into this lowest low. because you know the the funny thing is when you get back from these things you you know you get well first social media wasn't there 15 years ago but you get a whole load of likes and comments and fantastic Adrian you're you're a hero to the world and all this stuff and if you're not cautious and not aware you can get addicted by all this attention but even when you see people fantastic well done and then you know it's great for a day, two days seeing people. Then everyone gets on with their own lives, and you know, and I've and who are you left with? You're you're on your own, and you have to try and, try and process this and twiddling your thumbs. It's uh, that's where the real work comes in, and that's, that's that was a struggle quite a few years ago.
0: After doing so much, including adventure author, speaker, consultant, and having such an impact on looking after your values, what's important to you. You mentioned health and fitness before, and being authentic. If you had, if someone had to describe you in 50 years to 100 years time and say, this is the impact or the legacy that Adrian left in the world, what would you like them to say?
1: You know, so it's a very, because legacy taps into mission, taps into purpose, which again comes back to one of my things about authenticity and to answer the question, you know, why do do we do these things? You ask yourself the why, the why, the why. and and Generally, these things usually come down to some form of of legacy. The problem is with legacy that people do some rather unauthentic or extreme things or incorrect things to try and create a legacy rather than what is really required. So what people would want to say about me, uh, I I think the one I used to use was you experienced everything you could possibly do in life. And, and that, funnily enough, that's when I wrote down at age thirteen. And I, I have good and bad. You know, I've been through through divorce. I've been through five years of family court battles for contact with the, with my children. I've been through uh, all sorts of things and climbed a few big things and all the rest. So, so there's a yin and yang with it. The, the higher the, the higher things you achieve, it would be reciprocated by a lower of the low. But but you know, be careful what you ask for, I suppose, is the is the answer to that, you know, I, I put down, that was my, my motive, everything, and I, I followed my grandfather, about, who left school at 12, and he traveled around the world, spoke seven languages, did everything he possibly could, reinvented himself so many times, I suppose, I, my mother always used to say I took after him, that's not the Irish side, that's the other side, by the way, um, but, um, <laughs> and, and I suppose that's, that's what's driven me in a way, and, uh, and and, and and again, coming back to your very first question, this is where the last eighteen months, two years, have have been a struggle because I'm not doing, you know, you're not living life full. Our social life was curtailed. Our what we can do is curtailed. It, it's not life to me. It's it's existing, and that's not a value I sort of resonate to uh, resonate with too much.
2: With your work, Adrian, you've. You've managed to bring awareness and education to things like sustainability, climate change, big thing at the moment, uh, just one ocean, the, the Himalayan thing, medicine and remote areas that, that looked really interesting as well. And that's just a sample coming out of COVID kind of where would you be hoping to bring education and awareness to next with with your experience, with your exposure, with what, else, what the next project?
1: Let me take that two ways. I think that the lessons right now uh, is that there's two lessons: COVID and climate. You know, and and that is one. If we go in this single risk, single issue, single remedy tunnel visioned obsession, there's always trade off. In fact, there's trade offs with everything you do. From from you know, net zero to zero COVID to climbing Everest to. Uh, you know, going for a big adventure race to anything you do, there's always trade-offs, always trade-offs. And I don't think we realise this. And I think there's a danger of these two things that, that we become a little bit too obsessed and it distracts from other issues. In COVID's case, other health issues, society issues, and so many we could talk about for ages more, climate, for all the other environmental issues. I'm a keen environmentalist ever since I was a young boy. Um... But I find this the, 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 the cult uh, of one issue, one risk and one issue, one uh, solution only, I think it's a little bit delusional, a bit damaging to everything else. So I, I but the lesson I will, I'm sort of saying to people who do a lot of work in schools, universities, corporations, is we've got to look at a big picture. And sustainability is one. It's, it's a systems. It, it takes economy, society, and the environment together. You can't solve problems in one without looking at all three together. And everything you do in one will affect the other. But it's amazing, that word, the most overused word, yet misunderstood word in the English language today. Very few people know w- what it actually means. On the education side of, of society, environmental issues, the sustainability argument, you could put this to most issues in, in our world, most issues, not all, but 75%, 80%. And look, if you took a systems sustainability approach, which always works on trade-offs, Cost-benefit analysis, risk analysis, and you work these things out. There is no single solution for any issue we face in the world, and that's why I try and get to people. Anything you do will have will have these trade-offs, and there'll be other sides. And yet, yeah, I think politicians, particularly, think that you know they come up with these golden solutions and don't even realize the the impact and consequences. Everything we do, choices and consequences. So, I think that's the message I I, I want to put over that it's nothing. Well everything's possible, everything's possible, and that's part of my mission. Everything's possible if it's authentic, it's clear, but you've got to do this process of looking at the consequences, and it isn't always a straightforward, easy answer, whether it's climate, whether it's COVID, whether it's anything else in the world.
0: Adrian, just want to say thanks a we got so many lessons there for for 30 minutes, and we just have one more question to ask, something we ask every every guest that comes on the show. It's what does high performance mean to you?
1: And it's a great question. It's one that's not normally asked of me. I think high performance to me is fulfilling your potential, your performance, and your results. At the end of the day, it comes down to results. But I think the potential is the key one I want to focus on, and that's as a coach and consultant and mentor, is what we deal with. It's it's the the analogy. I mean, so many examples. You know the, the 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 woman who's been diagnosed with cancer and has got it six months to live and achieves the most incredible things in that six months of her life there. Or uh, someone a ca- child trapped under the wheels of a car. And the story, you know, there's nobody around. The car, The child's trapped and someone manages to lift the car with their bare hands, you know. And of course, the coaching world works on it. You know, if we've got all this potential, Uh, Do we need a crisis to unlock it or the skills, the tools, the techniques, the awareness and all these things? I suppose that's what, to me, high performance, it's unlocking that potential. Uh, It's being authentic with it. It's having a clear goal, a clear objective, uh, which will lead into a mission and purpose and and achieving the best you possibly can in your personal life, in your professional life and in your whole life. I suppose uh, to end up, that's, that's... what I have sort of set out since I was 13 years of age to do the best I possibly can and achieve everything I can and learn everything I can. And life is for learning. And that's perhaps the best way to end. uh...
2: Bill George often says, you know, how do you find your true north? You have to be an authentic leader. So just amazing to hear that you've managed to achieve all this and, but you had had that outset from the age of 13 gives everyone an awful lot of inspiration and hope. So just again, just echo what Ciarán said, adrian thanks so much for the messages the stories the reflections the openness wishing you the very best
1: thanks david thanks kieran really enjoyed it thanks for the uh, the banter as well <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks adrian. For all right all the best you both
2: thank you for listening to today's episode of sleep eat perform repeat a story of high performance this was brought to you by how a whole person well-being company founded and run from dublin ireland Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt H-A-U-O-R-A-L-I-F dot Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan.